This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's episode is a conversation with Matt and Trevor from our last night. You may have seen me publish this as a video on my channel a while ago, but I wanted to republish it as a podcast because it was such a good conversation, and I know that not everybody got a chance to watch that. What I love about these guys is that they are a perfect example of what I always talk about, running your band like a business. That's how they think of it. This is their living. This is how they pay their bills, how they feed their family, and they make those decisions accordingly. So you may know them as the metalcore cover band, although as we talk about in the episode, they are more than that, but that's kind of the thing that put them on the map. So we have a really honest conversation about exactly why they do things that way, the pros and the cons, why they love Spotify. Remember, this is a common theme you'll start to hear is that Guess what? Artists who actually make a living off of music love Spotify. Anyway, awesome conversation. Definitely check this one out. If you want to make your living off of music or really anything else, they are the template for how to do this all yourself. As always, this show is produced and edited by Deanna Chapman. If you want to get your show off the ground, give her a shout. DeannaChapman.com. D-E-A-N-N-A-C-H-A-P-M-A-N. Thank you to Deanna. Without her, this show just would not happen. So yeah, let's get into it. Hello, everybody. I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA. I'm here with Matt and Trevor from Our Last Night. I guess you guys saw my video about Screamo covers and didn't hate it. So here we are. Maybe you can just kind of give people a little bit of context on that, and then I'm going to get into the hard questions. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a bunch of videos on YouTube. Big fan. Uh, and then I saw you did mention us. I think you had our little logo of course on because... you're killing the thumbnail game by the way <laughs> so i saw it on there and i saw that video and i thought it was a pretty accurate like analysis of the history of covers and then you got to us and i just got a kick out of like well i, I like how you're objective about things so i was like yes okay cool an objective opinion on like our covers and how we do them and i thought it was like pretty accurate someone could be like oh not that you roasted us or anything no. but it, the whole concept, like we talk about it all the time. We're pretty critical of ourselves, to be fair. So I was like, oh, it'd be cool to like hit you up, talk about it. Yeah. So on I, camera, because you were saying things about us that were like some of them were accurate and some were like, oh, okay, that's interesting how an outsider would see us. comment on it like that. But it'd be cool to like throw out there maybe like <clears throat> our approach at well, the business side of it. You know what I mean? Well, let's, let's cool. just get right into that. So sure. I'll just show, I'll share kind of the way it looks to me. And you guys can tell me 
what I got right and wrong. Sure, and sure, that'd be so cool. Sounds like you run the band like a business. Covers are good business for you guys. Maybe in a perfect world, you would do exclusively originals, but part of running a business is that you just kind of got to accept things the way they are and give the people what they want. So Sounds like you're listening in on our conversations, yeah. every, <laughs> every day conversations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, especially when you start, I mean, we talked about this a lot. Like once you start something and it starts to work, you're not going to stop doing it. So we started doing the covers. People liked them. And we started them reluctantly oh, a yeah. little bit. Our manager at the time was like, oh man, these YouTubers are killing it with the covers. If we just do a rock version of like this type of way they're doing it there's no one really doing it in that way so we should try it and we're like really we're like we don't want people to know us for covers we want to write our own songs the classic things Mm -hmm. any band would say tried one it was skyfall by adele because that song's just a sick song so we're like dude totally hear that we did it it went over very well you got to keep going i mean you can't do something you're not going to do a cover and see it get hundred thousand views in the first couple weeks and be like oh never going to do that again that was super sick but I mean, you just you just keep doing them, and it's not something we do like doing them. But like he said, we don't want to be known for our covers, but that's how it is now, mm-hmm. and it works for our band. It's how we pay our bills. It's how everything works. It's how the business works. So we like doing them, and we man, we're just gonna keep doing them. But so I guess the the big theme of what I was thinking this conversation would be is that there's this sort of trade off between art and business, Mm -hmm. or that's how it's perceived anyway. And some people make it purely about business. Some people make it purely about art. But I think for most people, Mm -hmm. it's somewhere in the middle. And so the question is, like, as every individual artist, whether you're a band or a painter or whatever, like, where do you make those trade-offs? And I think there's, Where's the line and how do you balance on the line art and business? Because you can't ignore either side, I don't think. Well, some people do, but most of us don't. And there's this, I think, unstated assumption in the scene that if you don't make the trade-offs in favor of art every single time you're a piece of shit sell out mm-hmm. blah 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 everything that people say about you guys every day i'm sure yeah <laughs> they say it a lot and i do think a lot of people also understand both sides and why we do it i mean i see tweets like we do an old town road cover or who let the dogs out and i think for us it's not that we saw those covers and we're like this is going to be the best thing we've ever put out because that's just incorrect. That's not right. But like, I think people understood why we do it. We do covers and we're not going to have Old Town Road come out, be the biggest song in the world and not cover it. Did I think it's the best thing we've ever done? Of course not. But we're still going to do it because we do cover songs. And we're. I mean, why wouldn't we cover that? I mean, you are in the entertainment business. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people miss about well, it's, playing in a band. It's that. And also, I think a lot of people kind of with the art side of things... They assume that as soon as you're a band, you do originals and you tour, you can't have any fun with anything. So like, that's why we did Who Let the Dogs Out, dude. I hit up Who Let the Dogs Out manager and got those dudes to fly to our studio in California and film Who Let the Dogs Out with us. That's hilarious. We, yeah. but they, when we, we posted that, that yeah. they posted that and everyone was like, fuck our last night. You guys suck. You're a joke. I'm like, it is a joke. It's fucking funny. Well, yeah, there's a like, meme quality to it. So but, like, we're sitting here like, I cannot believe I saw Bahamut play when I was like 12 years old. And now I'm doing that cover with them in our studio. That's hilarious. I think all of our friends thought it was funny, thought it was cool. And I'm not saying it was a complete joke. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. I still talk to them all the time. It was super sick having them in the studio. They're for sure. But people took that like to the next level. Like you just don't care about anything anymore. You just do whatever like is going to get views or whatever. I mean... I guess we did it to get views, yeah. sure, but, but it's also a fun thing. I had the opportunity to cover 
a massive hit song with the people who wrote the song. So to me, that's like, that's pretty cool. It's funny. I think people will like it. They'll enjoy it. And then people took it obviously way too seriously. And so I, I made a video about that song when it came out <clears throat> and I took it down because people misinterpreted what I said. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Nice, what, that's funny. What I said about it <clears throat> is that as an audience, fans reward covers and like novelty stuff over small bands playing original music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I sometimes I find that kind of frustrating. Sure, sure. But as I said in the video, which people missed, you're giving the people what they want. Well, okay, but playing devil's advocate about that cover. Yes, I know. Not all of our fans. A lot of our, fan, our, a lot of our fans did. Yeah, for sure. Like, for example, say Old Town Road. Most of our fans did like that. A lot of people on the outside were like, screw that band. Which I understand why. I mean, sure. Who Let the Dogs Out, even between our fans, is like 50-50. Some okay. people like love it. Some people like, why did you do that? I joke but, around at every meet and greet. And I don't like, want to dwell. Well, you're playing. I'm like, oh, who let the dogs But say, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't want to dwell on that too much. But we do try to learn a lesson if we put something out there mm-hmm. and it's not super well received. Like, even if it's people who are not our fans, what are they saying? Not that you should be like, believe that about yourself. Why are they saying that? there's a constructive reason buried deep down there mm-hmm. somewhere, right? So like, if people are like, why did you let the dogs out? And we were doing it for a reason that was like, oh, almost like a challenge. Like, can we make this cool, right? And maybe we ended up somewhere in the middle of it being cool or it being super and whack. looking like we were super serious. Yeah. And like it was like normal cover. But we then we do. go, we sit down, we're like, maybe our artistic side is not being valued by ourselves enough right now. We haven't done a cover in a while, not because we don't want to, but I think we were doing this thing where we were covering songs just to cover them. Like Mm -hmm. that's what we do. So choose one, even if it's not musically a fantastic song to cover, making it not a valuable piece of art in, in the artistic world, right? It's cool to cover a song when you can actually contribute and make a cooler version. If you're just doing it just to do it, and you're just choosing a top 10 song, <clears throat> then you're the just not contributing yeah. creatively to anything. But yeah. on the other hand, if it's, I mean, it's a business, if it, yeah, you know, if it drives sure. a business, to me, that's valid. It's also valid to say, fuck that, I'm an artist, I don't wanna do that. Like, mm-hmm. I guess that's the point that I wanna make is that, of course it's valid to make trade-offs in favor of art, but it's also okay to make trade-offs in, in favor, favor of business, business, I think. Yeah, like, yeah. I agree. So like I used to, and as part of being a creator or creative of any kind is coming to terms with the fact that usually the stuff that you were most excited about is not what's going to be most commercially successful. So like I used to be a graphic designer for uh, Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister. Oh, really? And... 100% 100% of the time, the shirt that sold the best is the logo in white on a navy blue yeah. or gray shirt, which of any of us could design in our fucking sleep yeah. in two minutes. And everything you liked, they yeah. were like, nah, this isn't going to do yeah, well. Yeah, or it, didn't, or didn't. Yeah, it exactly. Would eat shit, uh, and we're just kind of like, yeah, well, if, if you yeah. want the white, if you want the logo in white on a navy shirt, I guess I'll give then it to I'm you. Then I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for sure. So you have to like, yeah, take both sides. You really don't. Know. It happens all the time. Sometimes I'm doing a cover, and I and I really like it. And it doesn't do well. Yeah, I mean, or sometimes I'm really liking it and people like it as much as I thought they would. It's yeah. like so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. That's why anyone who comes to me with like, oh, I'm doing this creative outlet. Do you have any advice? I usually just say, and if you asked me this, I would say the same thing to you. You do a lot of videos and you probably already do this. I would say, try everything, see what sticks, and then just be honest about evaluating 
how well it did with the audience. Did you like doing it? If you liked doing it and the audience reacted to it, then do more of it and see where it takes you. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think we do that sometimes. So then here and there, there are videos where we look back on it and we're like, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that, but you don't know till you try but, it. And, and you know, it all led you here. And if you're happy to be where you're at, then, you know, who, sure. you, hindsight is 2020, you know? I mean, it's the same thing when I, so I also used to do like product design and be the same thing. Every, any graphic designer like that works for clients will understand this. The client always picks the lamest one. So you show them like, they're like, hey, we want some new concepts for a, you know, cell phone or whatever. And we give them four or five of them. They will always pick the lamest one. Mm -hmm. And you just kind of learn to accept like, hey, we do our best to show them options. They usually pick the safest one. That's just how it is. And when you're a young designer, you get pissed off about that because you think that they should pick the cool one. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, you're just like, well, I got to pay the bills. I tried. So I'm going to let them pick whatever they want. If it's the safest option. I I gave them options. And I think it's the same with you know making videos or songs or whatever like i don't get to choose what the audience likes i'll put some stuff out there and they'll tell me what they like that's such a valuable lesson yeah you don't get to choose what your audience likes and doesn't like i think yeah they liked the covers so we're gonna keep doing them that's that's an easy thing to struggle with for sure whether we're like say one day we're like we don't want to do covers anymore well if we actually stop doing them i mean maybe our business suffers and maybe Mm -hmm. we don't get to play music for a living anymore I mean, I maybe, get, maybe, I, get, I don't know. I still get butthurt about it. Sometimes I put out a video that I'm really excited about. Yeah. It doesn't do well and I'm pissed off, but then I'm just like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah you just can't choose what people yeah. do and don't like. So kind of yeah. like you said, do it all, figure it out. And... This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, 
You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. On that similar subject, like people, especially bands and artists, they want to choo- pick and choose about how, like how people listen to music. We were talking about that a little yeah. bit before yeah, we let's started. Talk, let's talk Spotify because yeah, yeah. I fucking hate it when people complain about Spotify. Sounds like you guys do too. Oh, we absolutely hate it. For sure. Because <clears throat> for so many reasons, main reason being like, that's the way people listen to music, right? That Those are the facts. You either accept that or you don't. Nothing's going to come out of not accepting Last that. I checked, the so. CEO of Spotify doesn't come around and put a gun to your head and make you put your shit on Spotify. Yeah. So you chose that. to put it on there. And also, that too, so you can't complain about the rate. You're willingly put your, putting your music but on But then it. if you don't put it out, I can guarantee your band's going to get a lot less streams than it does now. Uh, yeah. And my thing is, yeah, exactly. I'm super grateful for Spotify because my actual opinion is that it saved artists and musicians and labels whoever owns the music it's it monetizes what would have been illegally downloaded anyways so now people are for sure more excited about just paying 15 bucks a month and listening to whatever that means you also get paid for people just discovering you right anyone who's just like oh i'll check out our last night click a couple of your songs maybe they actually don't even like it but you still just get paid something or play or a playlist i mean there's it's, yes, I think Spotify is great about spreading your music around and they don't really like throttle you like Facebook does. Like Facebook, you get all these whatever likes on your page and then they, they make you not organic reach. Yeah. They make you pay for the reach. Yeah. Spotify, you get the followers. And when you release a song, it blasts that song out to yeah. everybody. So I hear a lot of people say they don't make any money off Spotify. You guys are saying that you do. Can you explain like what? Yeah, so there? I mean, we're definitely different than the average band who's just putting out a record every other year or every two years. And also, I'm sure those bands are on a label who's getting the majority of the money coming so from exp- streaming. Explain how that works. Why does the money not make it to the band if they're on a label? Oh, whatever deal they ended up signing, whether it's an eighty twenty or whatever it is. I mean, the label most of the time just owns the master to those songs. So they're just collecting every streaming income from all of those songs and then until who- they recoup the money from uh so whatever you'll get you'll get thirty thousand dollars to record the record you have to pay the band has to pay that money back off their small percentage which could be 20 percent, could be 30 depends on the deal so it's basically and then a, after, it's basically a loan it is a loan. the and worst exactly, loan the worst loan. in the world the worst loan. <laughs> oh yeah dude. probably take out a, a thirty thousand dollar loan on your own oh you'll pay that you'll that. pay that back much faster yeah. if you just go to the bank of america and say i need a thirty thousand dollar business loan Go record, put it on Spotify, dude. You'll make that back, depending on the band. A couple months, a year, less than that, whatever it is. But if you're on a label, dude, I mean, we were on Epitaph. We haven't recouped anything in so 10, 10 years. I mean, so now while you're, you're directly uploading all your stuff to Spotify. Straight to, we have a, to keep all of it. We have a distro company that puts all the music on Spotify, but 
not everyone needs them. I mean, you can do TuneCore, CD Baby. There's tons of platforms. I think DistroKid advertises with you. I hear That's tons right. of good things. Yeah. Seriously, I, do. I use, saw that. Use my yeah, promo but, code. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, go for it. But, but DistroKid, I, I hear a lot of good things. About so this is another thing why I love Spotify. Every single person in the world has the opportunity to put music on Spotify. And that's how you see all these SoundCloud rappers and people getting massive on Spotify. Dude, it's just a kid sitting in his room, doesn't need a label, doesn't need a manager, gets something on Spotify, hits some random playlist, that kid's making bank now. Lil Nas X. The same exact thing, that's what I'm saying. So you have every single person in the world now has the same opportunity. Of course, someone on a label or a bigger artist has chances to get on bigger playlists just because they're already more well-known. But every single person has the same opportunity to make the same amount of money through streaming. It's just how you do it. Are you going to put out songs every single week or once a month? How we look at it is let's put out a ton of music, build a catalog, and all of these songs now get whatever, 100000 a day or whatever it is. So it's, we're just building a catalog. So that's how the streams And you're going to get paid on that forever. Forever. Yeah. I mean, you can go deeper into that, but... Yeah, I mean, now, and a huge thing is people are selling their catalogs, their back mm-hmm. catalogs. Maybe you've heard of this. Yeah, sure to, like, Wall Street. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, I mean... It's weird. It's crazy. So, music, owning your own music is, is the, the most no- valuable thing. Like, it's an like asset. Investors I mean, are... are are looking at it like more valuable than the average stock. They because are. It's, they're it's, getting a 15 to 20% return following year on a, it's actually, on a catalog. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing as an annuity. It's just like it's, future cash flows. Yeah, and those songs, dude, especially covers. People like a buyer will look at covers and be like, wow, they covered a Katy Perry song. Cool, now every single time Katy Perry releases something forever, that cover is going to get a spike. It's just going to mm-hmm. get a spike every single time she puts something out because someone searches Katy Perry on YouTube. And our cover of Dark Horse happens to be the fifth one that pops up. So like that, so a buyer is going to look at that and be like, wow, they covered all these massive, massive artists as well as they have their own originals. Let's buy that. And that's going to make money for 30, 40, 50 years. And so whether you, that's 30,000 a month or 2,000 a month, it's always going to make them money. Yeah. And you guys, because you have cut out the label and the management, management you record yourselves, yeah, so you've we, cut all yeah. that out. So you may be making probably i'm sure you're making more money at the end of the day than somebody than a bigger band oh yeah 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 our business yeah. manager sometimes like Says, calls us and he's like you guys gotta share with other bands and, how, he how us up, dude, and he's, we're, we're like we, not we're not magical. cocky about it either yeah we're not cocky about it we're just like i mean if anyone wants to talk to us and just, i want just let us let us know we'll talk to anybody we want to share how to do this for sure learn how to record it's yeah. not hard and well, yeah, not, buy, it's work but, but buy a camera test out some videos dude that's how we did it i mean everyone is capable of doing what we do and i'm not saying everyone should do covers because that's just not going to work for every band or maybe they don't want to do it and that's totally fine depends what your strengths are really but instead of doing a record every two years why don't you try out a single campaign one song a month for 12 months straight keep the audience engaged you're putting out constant music and then if that worked out Keep doing one. Maybe your new thing is one song a month forever. So here's another thing that <clears throat> just drives me nuts is how attached bands are to albums. Yeah. Like emotionally Fuck attached. Albums. It's just like, yeah. cool, but that's not how music is consumed Dude, anymore. So someone, the normal person is going to stop listening after track six or seven. Yeah. Even if like, they make it that who far. Who wants to listen to 10 fucking songs yeah. from the same band? I know. And it sucks growing up. We all love that, I'm sure. But that's just not how it is anymore. People have ADD. They have Spotify. They have a playlist. No one wants 12 songs. Yeah. 
Unless you're Drake, I mean, we'll put out 20-something songs, and those will all be top on Spotify for If you're Drake, but go for keep, it. And that worked for him, so <laughs> yeah. keep doing it. And you talk about this a bunch, how artists, rightfully so, have an emotional connection to their work, right? Mm. It makes sense, but like it gets interesting when the way music is consumed now is through singles and playlists and Spotify. You just click a song, and it goes to the next. You click a song, it goes to the next. Or you make your own playlist and listen to that. It's almost like when you put out a whole album, yes, the back half of the album gets no attention. Mm -hmm. So when I'm making a song, I'm like, man, this song is going to be an album track. I really like this. I really like this song. And I want a lot of people to hear it. If I were to just simply release this song separately, all of my fans would hear it. Everyone would hear it Mm -hmm. instead of just the small portion that listened through the whole album, which that's for sure a struggle. But even a good reason kind of not to release albums. But then again, I would say to that is it's interesting without albums, you don't really get to do like a creative campaign. You don't really get to like have an, it's hard to build an image. It's hard to go. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. My thing is a new image. It's different. There's it's tons different. of rap. There's tons of rappers that do it. I mean, yeah, all of them. I mean, look at a pop star. Even look at Ed yeah. Sheeran and Chainsmokers. What they just did, they had an EP or a full length, and one by one, they're knocking out yeah. every single single That's until it comes out. That's really so then you're treating a whole record like a single. That's kind of what we just did. We just did uh, two EPs this year, so they each had like seven, eight songs. So that's like borderline where we draw the line. Seven songs, I think it's perfect. Because we get to pre-release three to four of them before it comes out, so they all get it. So then really the record, and we'll put the songs that weren't released as singles on the first half of the record most of the time. So when they do check out the record, they've already heard the back half. Now they're forced to listen to the songs that weren't released as singles before it came out. Because it's always always the single on the first one or two tracks on the release. For sure. And honestly, we've learned by this mistake, like the first EP we put out, we put out a song called Demons first, and then we put that first on the record. And we were like, we saw, we put out the record and we saw a massive spike in Demons. And we were like, wow, imagine if we put a song no one's ever heard before first and it gets its own spike. So, I mean, again, you just kind of learn from those things, but a full length will never do. There's no way. So when did you decide, when and how did you decide to kind of take the model that you do now? Not not just covers, but the mm-hmm. DIY thing. You said you were on Epitaph. Epitaph's a huge, awesome label. Yeah. Why would you walk away from that? We definitely tried to leave before the contract was even done. I think for us... And I'm not looking for drama. Yeah, or something. No, no, it it was not, no hard feelings at all. Like if we saw Brett now, it would be great to see him. But I think just for us, it just didn't make sense. It makes sense for some bands. It makes sense for some bands to be on a label now. But for us, it just didn't make sense. I think every idea we brought to the table... They were like, no, no, no. We tried to do more than one music video for a record. Like, no, we're not going to do that. Or we're going to do an acoustic version of this. And they're like, no band does that. We're not going to do that. Like, What do you mean no band does that? Does that mean it's not going to work? Or you just don't, or you have this set in stone list of things you do for every record. And that's what all your bands do. And that just doesn't work for us. So I think at that point, we're like, it was kind of, then things were not the best for our band. It was kind of like, let's try something new or just stop being a band in general. So it was an experiment, yeah. I think. Like we, our contract was over. So we're like, we owe it to ourselves to just see if try we Try one this more thing. thing. Yeah. And it just kind of took off. So there's just never a reason to like go back really. Mm-hmm. But we started with an Indiegogo after the, after the contract ended. And that definitely was a massive spike. I think we asked for 15K and got like almost 50. So oh, like wow. right there, we're like, wow. So fans still give a shit. Which is awesome to know, obviously, after a three-record contract ends. Did a cover, 
And we're like, okay, things are good. So let's just keep trying it and, and do what works. But that's the toughest part is getting it going. Things like Indiegogo and Kickstarter are actually good for that. Like yeah. your contract ends, you have zero dollars. You got to put do? something out. Right. Yeah. It is awesome for that. And then, yeah, you talk about Patreon a little mm-hmm. bit. You do Patreon? Yes. Yeah, we do that too. That's cool. It's we, awesome. we like it. How long? I'm, I'm sort of surprised that more bands don't do that. Yeah, we have friends asking us, oh, what's Patreon? I mean, we treat it like other people do different things with it. But um, so we just treat our Patreon like a fan club, pretty mm-hmm. much. We do things. We do Patreon meet and greets every single night. We do have a tier where we go out to dinner with fans every single night. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, we do everyone gets everything early, their names at the end of every YouTube video, merch packages. These separate meet and greets, which yeah. is a lower I tier. Mean, so like we have the meet and greets we do for free every show. Yeah, we don't do paid meet and greets ever. So this store Yeah, the store we did. Whoever bought tickets first week gets meet and greet, which is brutal. I mean, we have some that are like four hundred kittens, which is draining, <laughs> but it's sick. I mean it's, it's cool. Good. I don't give a shit. It's, dude. Good like, it's sick. And then we have a separate Patreon meet and greet. Then we have a separate dinner meet and greet. So our days are long. It's a good way to just mm-hmm. interact with fans. And we create we created the Patreon to be a fan club, pretty much. So other people can do it as almost. I mean, they could sell people sell their books know. through it. I'm pretty sure they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton of ways you can utilize Patreon. More signed bands don't do it because I feel like you in know, their sure contracts it, says, it would not be even in there at all. Ah, there's mm-hmm. student lawyer language. I'm sure there's yes. outside money. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. True. I don't know. Contracts are disgusting. So, well, last question, or or I guess a thought, and you can tell me what you guys think of it. I talk to a lot of bands, just like you do, and a lot of them are very frustrated because they're not getting the success they want. I feel like a lot of them might be happier people if they chose to make the trade-offs a little bit more in favor of business, mm-hmm. because. Is it that fun to make music that nobody hears and nobody buys and be pissed off because of that? Or do you maybe make trade-offs a little bit more in favor of business and maybe you're not making exactly every single creative decision you want, but you're paying the bills and you might be a happier person? My first thing I would say to that is I think you can still make the music you want and be creative. Like you have these bands, like I always use Dance Gavin Dance as an example. Awesome band. Most people listen to that and be like, this is crazy music. This is wild. Like, it's amazing. But they're gigantic. There's yeah. that many There's that many people that are, li- like, ready to listen to, like, a pretty niche style, right? Mm-hmm. Which is so awesome. So I don't know if there's, like, I think you can always do creatively what you want. The business side that you're talking about is, I think, just coming down to it, working. What else can you do Monday through Friday? Like like dirt, like eight hours a day yeah. like yeah. Uh, like a Monday we give ourselves a Monday through Friday nine to five yeah. essentially and then take the weekends off because that's essentially the best way to it's like a business get stuff I mean, done it is a business to... we take it seriously yeah. so I don't know if you have to sacrifice artistic too many artistic decisions I think you just work harder yeah even if you you and your band members don't live in the same area you can get on the phone every Monday and be like all right what's everyone going to do to try to help the band take the next step and there's a lot of answers to that if you don't have any answers that uh, to that there's buy a, a book yeah. buy a book go on your youtube channel check out some videos <laughs> like there's so many things to do that if you're just sitting around playing video games all week hoping it's going to magically come to you magically yeah. this is not going to yeah. it's not really magic if we if we sat around waiting for the magic yeah our all, all our streams would be down our you got to just put in the work I mean, just like anything else, really. But I think the more we talk to bands about that, they ask us all the time, like, how do you do it? How do you make the money that you guys do? 
I think it always just comes down to, well, we don't have enough people in the band that want to put in that much work. Then so maybe then you, you have to stop complaining. That or just stop complaining. Because if you're going to come up to me every tour or every time I see you, like, dude, what do we got to do? And I tell you, and you're like, well, we don't want to do that. Then fucking stop asking. I, know. I mean, you just either, either you're going to do it or you're just not going to do it. They're, those are your options. So I was thinking about this the other day. <clears throat> going on tour for us kind of feels like the vacation. Yeah, oh, like yeah, it's sure. frustrating almost because the fact that I haven't been on my laptop like in two days is it's fucking weird. wild. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So I think a lot of bands look at tour as like, oh man, this is the big work time. But like for us, being at home for sure is way way busier than out here, just because we have a a workspace, an office that we can actually do stuff in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you saw I me; mean, I have my mobile studio here, setting that up wherever I can. It's just like we just edited a cover yesterday, but yeah. comes out next week. Yeah, I don't know. You just got to put the work in, I guess. Put in the work. All right. Well, we're about to run out of time here. So thank you guys so much for uh, sitting down with me. Check these guys out. You guys are clearly like very intelligent about your business. So if you're in a band or any kind of creator of any kind, check out what these guys are doing. There's almost certainly something you could learn from them. Yeah, and, thanks for uh, having us. Yeah, yeah, big definitely. fan. Yeah, thanks for the thank you. good conversation. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks for having us, dude. All right, my friends. That does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love or want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to axe grind podcast I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>